This may come as a surprise to many of you, but I love villains. Nope, not surprised. Drunk with power, bent on ruling the world, you know, kindred spirits and all that. Uh, don't forget massive lasers on a moon base pointed at Earth. Duh, how else would you vaporize oceans? Nukes? Eh, too extreme. Well, pull your ransom money, victims. It's scum and villainy. What makes a good villain? This week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. I'm sitting here with the two most notorious villains. Yeah, I'll take that. Planets. I'll take that. Yeah. With nukes. <laughs> <laughs> eh. There's no drama in nukes. Well, there is for a few seconds when you see the missiles coming. Nah, you want you want your victims to like curl up in terror for a little while. Yeah, like the way we I'm force cur- choking Lou right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> the way we curl up in terror when we see Scott coming down the hall. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> Gotta give me something to believe in. Is it working? Nope. You're turning purple. I don't know if that's your blood pressure or the force blood pressure. <laughs> like, like he's doing it again, Bill. <laughs> I got nine one one on speed dial. You're all set. Yeah. Yeah, they know you. And if worse comes to worse, they got a couple of bare wires around. I'll just give you a couple of taps. You'll be fine. Right on the nipples. <laughs> Wake you right up. You'll be all right. I am a CPR instructor. Scary thought. I'll give you CPI. That's villainy. CPR. That's villainy. It's a CP something. <laughs> CPI. I am a CPI instructor as well, but that's not going to save his life. <laughs> I could stand over him and uh, de-escalate. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But you escalate so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about villains. Uh, villains, I think everybody can agree with this, are probably the coolest characters of any book or TV series or movie. Like, I was more a fan of Darth Vader than Luke Skywalker when I was growing up. I thought he was way cooler. Khan was much cooler than Kirk, I dare say. And I could totally relate to Killmonger and Black Panther. So if you're running games and want your players to have a great time, then you need to up your villain game. But before we get into it, let's talk about some ways you can support the DMD. You can support the Dungeon Masters Dojo in some very simple ways. Be patronizing, like Lou, and become a patron on Patreon and unlock exclusive patron content. Or if you're like Scott and long-term commitment is an issue, you can buy a Sasaki, shop our merch page for DMD swag. Or use our drive-thru RPG affiliate link next time you shop drive-thru RPG. Or visit us on the web at the DungeonMastersDojo.com. There, you'll find links to all the above. Don't forget to email us and say hello. Thanks for listening. You know when we take a break? Yeah. And we take a break for like a while? We forget <laughs> how to do everything. <laughs> you mean I forget? You don't do nothing. We, well, me and Bill have a hard time talking and making sense, even harder than than we normally do. Yeah, we. I digress often. I forget the buttons. (laughs) 
Scott forgets nothing. Scott, no, he, but I, he goes off on rants. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Completely rem- unrelated. I don't forget anything, but I also don't remember anything either. Mine's like a steel trap. Nothing gets in and nothing gets out. And let's talk about ways to have worthy opponents in the game. Right, your villain's got to be a worthy opponent, right? Or else your villain's going to suck. Well, yep. he won't be a villain. He'll just be a henchman. Yeah, or, I mean, Comedy relief. a person. You know, just someone at a shop or walking down the street. Yeah, so if, if, you, if your villain's a barista. Yeah. <laughs> just and, and sometimes it can be if you've had a really shitty cup of coffee, you know? <laughs> but they have to be a worthy opponent, right? And you think of what makes a worthy opponent. They have to be formidable in some way. Right, they don't necessarily yeah. have to be formidable with sword and board or something like that. They could be formidable in the form of like a mastermind, be it a criminal mastermind for your superhero game, an evil galactic emperor for your sci-fi game, post-apocalyptic despot, or your big bad for a D&D. It could be the steward that's has the king's ear and is negotiating uh, the armies in a way that may not be the best interest for the the like, realm. like Grima Worm Tongue, just like Grima Worm Not Tongue. physically imposing. He's not gonna. He's not gonna take on any of the fellowship and do well. But he's sneaky and he's snaky and he's behind the scenes manipulating things. Mm-hmm. And that's a good villain as well. Someone who is manipulative, maybe in the political sense, right? Having that king's ear. Yep, and doesn't seem to be the bad guy. Until you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and all of a sudden there's questions coming up, and wait a minute, no, that's completely out of character for everyone else. Well, where is this coming from? So are you suggesting that the villain doesn't necessarily have to be a disembodied flaming eyeball at the top of a tower, or a bad guy wearing a a horned black helmet with black armor? I'm gonna go with the disembodied flaming eyeball because it just that it's is, grandiose. That is pretty cool. That is grandiose, and and that's kind of my jam. But the person that you least expect to be the villain. That's one of the best villains. That's that, one. I, I have to admit, that's the, the one that sneaks up on you and you, you know, the, the surprise. You know, wait, that was supposed to be an ally and they've been misdirecting yeah. me the whole time. And see that a lot in the spy movies. And uh, I have schemed and plotted with other players at the table <laughs> about, I'm like, hey, how do you feel about being like a turncoat or a traitor or something like that? And, oh, yeah. you know, you got to know like which one to approach on it. Well, I mean, we, we know our players pretty well, so yeah. we know who would play that. And we've done this a number of times where we've actually had the good guy who turned the battle because they made some absolutely tremendous and heroic effort. And then we've also had our, our turncoats. And some of them have been unwitting. Yep. And some of them have been straightforward. All right, let me pull you aside. Uh, here's the secret envelope. This is where you're going. Don't worry, we'll take yeah. care of you how later. You, how do you feel about that? Will I, you do it? You know, will you like? Do you like? You want to do? You got to know who, it, who it's going to be. It has to be someone that can intellectually hide the fact that they're the turncoat. They have to actually be the double agent, the turncoat, the you know, the friendly, oh, yeah, no, this is a great idea, great idea. And then little messages are being passed off. And that's something that, you know, they're not going to do it at the table. It's one of those things that are usually arranged ahead of time. But it's, it's a, you have to have a, a player that can pull it off. Yeah, they have to be, they have to be a good role player. Yeah. They have to have a little wild card tendency, but not too much because you don't want them to turn and then turn back. I think your thespians and your lose. <laughs> you're, you're, I was never asked. 
Not scared. Yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think your thespians would be really good, and your tacticians would be really good yep. for this. Yeah. I think those would probably be the two best player types that I also would probably be best. I think you're a person who's unknowingly being manipulated. Those are always good too. Well, yeah, that that's what, you know. Those are your wild cards. Yep. That you can you can steer without you know them realizing a little bit, and that's great. We don't like railroading characters, but you feed them information and they interpret it in a way that you expect them to interpret, and then they go off on their own little thing, doing their own little thing. But you've planted the seed, and now they're following it. And I think your your combatants are really good for that. Yep. As well as uh, your wild cards, because they're going to take it and run it because they think they got something special. It's not something I would use every time. No, no. But if it feels right with the story and the way things are going, then I would utilize it maybe once every several years. I think I've only seen it really a couple, maybe three times. We've used the hero to turn the the tide of battle once. We've used the unwitting turncoat, and we've used the, the double agent. That's over the course of like 12 years. How would you say that they should have some kind of connection with the heroes? Yeah, for a villain to be really good and compelling, there's got to be some kind of connection, whether it's a uh, relative believed dead, Darth Vader, or a former... Master, like, confidant, trainer. Yeah, um, Iskander's mentor. Yes, yep. Or Palpatine. Palpatine, yeah. Palpatine shows up as being in league with, with the bad guys. That made for a, I think, a very enjoyable RP experience for Korok when he was at the table. And we revisited that a little bit later because his mentor got away. During that ending scene of that, that year, I don't even think he realized in the beginning that that was his mentor up there. Not initially. No, not. I think there was only really one person who realized it. Mm-hmm. But you can see when the realization happened. Oh, it said it. He was like, what? Yeah, it crept across his... Oh, the the expression on their face when all of a sudden the realization... Oh my God. Yeah. The eyes get wide. The jaw drops. They're, you know, the, the mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. <laughs> like, Love <how>? those moments. <laughs> yeah. And why? Why does yeah. there need to be a connection? Because then that is, that makes it like an emotional connection, connection yeah. to the player. It could be an old comrade in arms. Maybe, maybe you take a player character that is now an NPC because the player, for whatever reason, can no longer make the game. They've already had experience with that player character. They've developed a, a friendship, a camaraderie, and then trust. a trust, and then that person comes back, right? Granted, as an NPC. I think, and, I think if you make it personal, it's easier to drive the character and the player Yeah, if you oh, make definitely. it personal. Because your experienced players are going to... They, put a lot of investment when they build their characters. And even if they're handed a pre-gen and say, hey, you know, I need you to flesh out the background a little bit. I need you to take care of this. I've given you the, the, the bones. Now flesh it out. And now they've, they've made it their own. And when they do that, they adopt that personality. They become that person. And that's the whole idea of role-playing. Your experienced ones really immerse themselves quite a bit in it. Yep. And if you make it personal to the character, you've made it personal to the player too. And nothing drives the story like that when they want to get to the conclusion or find out why or you know how this happened. That's a, a really good way to make sure that your players invest themselves in the entire storyline. I've even asked players if they come back for like a three or four session run to be that villain yeah. as their character Cameos. and talk about you know, hey, how, how has his experiences changed them? And then, you know, have that reveal as the villain, and then they become, like, kind of the big bad for the while. 
as an NPC afterwards. And it's worked out pretty well. You know, it kind of throws that curveball. We like to keep our players on their toes. It's throw- not easy. They're, they're, they're fairly well-schooled. They, yeah, they are. And, easy, and we try. And as much as they trust us, they distrust us. <laughs> as they should. Because there's the ever-present concern that, okay, we're scheming on them. You know, what, what, what sort of thing is going to pop up? But it's something that I found the players have enjoyed in the past where, you know, they've had those, those kind of curveballs that move the story forward. Those, oh, shit moments. Well, not only that, it, it's like it makes the player, and since they already have that emotional connection, so it's like if either, let's say, Mullif or Cal were actually turncoats, the party would have a hard time dealing with that oh, because yeah. there was such a, a connection. It's breaking in morals into the game. You're like, what do we do? Do we try to, to help and get him brought back into the fold and find out why he's doing this? Because there must be a reason. Yeah. We take someone like Mulv, who was the sp- yeah. basically the spiritual head of the party. Yeah, he was take someone like Cal, who was the, you know, the strong personality, yeah. a driving force there. And so everyone kind of congregated around these characters. Well, and then you turn them, and everyone's like, yeah, you're right. I'd, it'd make a huge moral dilemma. It would, because like I would have, or Gravin would have a hard time if he had to go after Cal. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. You're a new DM who wants to jump behind the screen. Maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group, but aren't quite ready. You've been watching people play games online or on podcasts, and you're thinking to yourself, where do they come up with all that descriptive narrative? There's no way I can do that. Well, don't worry. We've got a solution for you. What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game? Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy, and pasteable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Confidently read these narratives aloud in your campaign and impress noob and veteran gamer alike. And the best thing about it is, the library of narratives is constantly growing, and it's affordable. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash dmd. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com backslash D-M-D. Use the code D-M-D at checkout to try Describe for two weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Because yep. of the emotional connection there. Because they were, in, in Gravin's eyes, inseparable. They were best buds, even though Cal didn't think like that. <laughs> That's not true. At all. Cal thought you were tolerable. Left me all alone without saying goodbye. Yeah, he brings that up all the time, and 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 culturally, with Cal's people, they say goodbye when it's a final goodbye, when there's yes. a death, and that's a goodbye until they go into, you know, their version of Valhalla. But Lou brings up a really good point. There's an emotional attachment not only to the player's character, but to other players' characters. Yep. When you have a a turncoat like that, it's emotionally driving. Like, what do what do we do? Yeah, do we take on the villain or do do we try to help him? Because this isn't something our our friend would do. What happened? Yeah, exactly. You so know? you're now you have a story within a story. Where, you know, we know Cal is, or Malif is the bad guy. Now we got to try to find out why they are doing this, if there is even a reason that's right in our eyes, because it still may be right in yours, but wrong in ours. Right. So and there should do, always be a reason why. Yeah. yeah. You know, always so that they can, which brings us to our so next to our stop. Next, your morals have to be crystal clear. Right. Why? Yep. Why are you the bad guy? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? It's okay to have that character like the Joker who just wants to see the world burn because yep. they're that variety of nuts. 
But every car- every villain should not be like that. There's got to be a reason why. Right. With the best villains, I think, are the ones that don't see themselves as a villain. Right? They think, I, well, I'm the good guy. Right. I'm doing something. I'm doing something good for everybody. Like Anakin Skywalker. I was just about to say, yep. The Empire is going to keep wars from happening, right? We're all under the same umbrella. It's it's a good thing. You know, people will no longer be hungry. You know, we'll have some structure, and that's really good. That's an Im- important thing is that that morality. Well, I, I love the, the story arc of Thanos. Yeah, he's I, another one. That, it, right? I think that was an absolutely fantastic depiction of a bad guy who do, did not think of himself as a bad guy. He thought he was he doing would, good for he, not, not only a world, world, but the entire galaxy. Right. Right, the entirety of all civilizations. I'm I'm helping everyone all at once. Yep. Why are you stopping me? You should be supporting me. And that was a I loved that particular story arc. And then he just wanted to like retire and have a garden yeah. and stuff. And I live saved everybody. Life. That's it. Now I'm just yep. gonna kick back and relax because I did what I want. You know what I set out to do. I'm the hero. Yeah. And the Avengers are the villains because they're trying to stop this, and this yep. is what's best for like everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes them relatable. It is. They should be. You should be able to see some of you in the villain. Killmonger, I get it, man. I was team Killmonger all day in Black <laughs> Panther. Black Panther is one of my favorite superheroes like since the 70s. He's cool. Killmonger is a, was a multidimensional kind of bad guy. Right. You know, he was like, you have all this wealth and stuff, and yet there's people that are, like, starving. You know, why? Why are you closed off in your own little bubble, quite literally? Mm-hmm. And you're watching all this terrible shit go on in the world. You know, he was resentful. I get why he was resentful. That's the same for the, the Thanos story, too, kind of. Yeah. Yep. You know, I when I realized why he was doing this, I was like, okay, I can get behind him. To me, he was like an anti-villain, anti-hero, anti-villain character. Yeah. And and that's about I've, I've had a I've had a player once. We're playing. Remember the old uh, the old Star Trek RPG? Yep. Yep. I was running a game. And Eric's character was captain of a starship. Chet's character and Chet, Chet could we could you know what he's his personality wasn't one that was suited for Starfleet. <laughs> you make him a Klingon and he's in his element, but he's a Starfleet officer in this. Day. I should have known better. The ship was boarded by a bunch of pirates. The pirate captain was like, "Listen, here's the deal," and he laid it all out. This is why we're doing this. You know, you guys have all this comfort and all these other worlds don't but you won't let us in so we could have the comfort too. There's nothing that we offer, you know, so that's why we pirate. We pirate to feed our families. That must have struck a chord with Chet because he, he pulled his phaser out, shot Eric's character. <laughs> and then I, if I were, this was a long, long time ago, if I recall correctly, he overthrew the captain of the pirate ship and became a pirate. But did he say, who's the captain now? <laughs> I think he Probably. said something like, I guess, I guess that puts me in charge. <laughs> and then laughed. Uh, and it was pretty funny. Uh, not to Eric. In <laughs> um, looking back at it, that you know, those relatable villains, that's something like you don't know which direction your players are going in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what if Thanos was your big bad for your your um, your superhero game or whatever game it was you were running? And he laid it all out. And you were like, well, yeah, I mean, I get it. I You're tired. I'd like nothing more than to have a nice little house somewhere, pick some oranges off a tree in the morning, have a nice garden, just live the simple life, sip my coffee on the front porch every morning. 
and have nice lazy days. That's cool. I'm on your team. Just don't yeah. snap me out of existence. You know, you never know how your players are going to react. They may strike yeah. strike a chord, right? Right. But, and but, hopefully it does. Yeah, it, it, that that kind of moves us into our to our next point, whereas they absolutely must have a good backstory. Gotta. Because if Thanos' backstory or even Killmonger's was full of holes, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. Yeah, like why? Why are they the way they are? Yep. Was it, you know, like in the case of Darth Vader, was it a lifetime of trauma made him angry? You know, it's not something the Jedi Council can take away. Right, but as you saw in the, in the movies, he really never suffered from a lifetime of trauma. His backstory was slowly built up to what he became. And you saw it from mm. growing up as a slave and, you know, certainly the resentment there to wanting to have value and be valued and being kind of hemmed in by the Jedi Council. You know, I'm going to – the Jedi – Kind of dicks. <laughs> you know, not that the Sith are, are nice guys either, but you know what? Qui-Gon Jinn, as awesome as Liam Neeson is, and he is awesome, he can't hold on to an offspring without them getting kidnapped, and he was a total douchebag in the, the Worst Phantom babysitter Menace. ever. Yeah, I mean, he was he was constantly, you know... His skills weren't that great. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was, he was bullying Jar Jar Binks, so he was mistreating this person, being whatever, and he takes this kid on dangerous mission and the kids got to watch him get like murdered in front of him. And then, you know, the other bad guy gets cut in half and falls down this big shaft. It's like trauma, 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 mom's dead. <laughs> and then Padme, who's clearly way older than him, manipulates him into fornicating. Not that there was a lot of manipulation because he was what he was like, probably like 20. It's like, Hey, I'm you wanna? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Been wanting to. And she was like, what? 19 when he was 10. It's like, okay, Mrs. Robinson, you know, so here's this, you know, this, this person of noble blood taking advantage of the poor guy. I get it. And then his best friend cuts his legs off, cuts his other arm off and leaves him to burn on a lake of fire. He's angry. I get it. Yep. That's a bad day. That's a Yeah. The, the guy had a shitty life, you yep. know, so I get why he's the villain. He needs a hug. And now he's this big wheezing asthmatic, and they, they say he's constantly itchy because all the, all the fake skin they put all over his burns, you know, was... Kind of like half-assed, you know, the lows bitter. You, you got to think that outfit chafes, too. It's got, it does not look comfortable. No, and then no. let's not even talk about what happened to the genitalia. That's something that was never discussed. <laughs> but if everything else is burning off, mm, you know, the yeah. dangly bits are probably gone. So he's probably like, damn, damn. I've got none of that stuff left. Tragedy. You know, it's a good backstory. <laughs> Why do you shake your head all the time every time I speak, Lewis? I don't know. It's now a habit. <laughs> it's as it's as important for the villain as it is well, for the PCs. Yeah, very much so. Because it if it's relatable to your PCs, they're going to react to it. And as they react to it, they're going to feed you more information to bring your villain even more to life. Uh, you can draw in a little bit more backstory. And then just through the conversations that you have and let, let them get up on the soapbox. Let them monologue. That's that's how you get the backstory in. That's how uh, this is what, now that I have you where I want you, you go into the typical villain monologue and that message that bill is delivering is is for you players out there yes there's nothing there's no bigger dick move than once I was your, once your it. villain <laughs> gets up there and he's he's gonna give his monologue and and he's peppered with arrows and the barbarian lops an arm off the the paladin smites him and then the rogue backstabs the shit out of him and now you know he's got and the wizard set. the wizard finally goes hey i finally got something to do lightning strike <laughs> fireball <laughs> or your paladin goes up on the first round, chops his head off, and said it can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rob. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, Rob. That was a dick move. I did that. I'll admit it. You handled it as well as you could have, <laughs> given the circumstances. But the moral of the story is give your give your bad guys a chance to yes. monologue. It's important. Yeah. If the if the game master has his his cards laid out right, you're not going to be able to dispatch them in that first round. You know, there'll be defenses. There'll be minions that throw themselves in the way. There's going to be, you know, counter spells that might be an, an illusion. And he's actually just off stage. Cause he expects you to attack him. Things like that. It's like, ah, ha, ha, oh, 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 he falls down. Yeah, we got him. It fades away. And you hear this chuckling from in the door slam behind you. It's like, ah, crap. <laughs> he got me again, uh, but give him a chance to monologue. You know, it just draw it out because how else? You know, threaten the PCs. Well, now that I know where your mother lives or now I know where your brother lives or, you know, oh, that temple you came to? Yeah. As we're speaking, it's burning and everyone's dying. Thanks for letting me know where that is. Drive it. Drive it home. You know, he's going to be, if, even if he's physically imposing, there's going to be either himself or some others around him that are wiser than him that are say, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? You know, he has generals. He has minions. Otherwise, you wouldn't. You know, no one, no big bad, but stands out there by himself, with the exception of maybe like a dragon or something. But yeah, you know, they're more often than not, they're going to have these these circles of defense that you have to get through, and every it gets harder and harder and harder. And as you go through, more is revealed from about the characters that the game master can use to draw them into the next circle and escalate it because now they're they're chomping a bit. They want this guy. And I think that's one of the, the easiest and best ways, well, maybe not the easiest, one of the best ways to do it is those circles of defense. And that's scum and villainy. What makes a good villain? We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.